Morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's house today for worship. Today is Advent 4, which means we're looking at the very last Sunday of preparation, ready for Christ to return by the power of the gospel. Order of service is found in the folder and on screen. This time, let's begin with our opening hymn, 315. Please stand. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children, but we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all of your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. 
May God give us all strength to live according to his will. Amen. And in the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come. Take away the burden of our sins and make us ready for the celebration of your birth that we may receive you in joy and serve you always. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. First lesson is from 2 Samuel chapter 7. David desperately wanted to build a house for the Lord. And God said no, but the Lord said he would build a house for David and all of the language here pictures the sending of a son who would establish a permanent home and that's of course foreshadowing Jesus, teaching people again to look to Jesus. We read, Now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies." The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. The word of the Lord. Continue with Psalm 139. 
Second lesson is from Romans 16, and it serves as a basis for the sermon. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of the Lord. Please stand. The Gospel from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for the hymn.
the name of our coming, Lord Jesus Christ, dear fellow believers. The last word is key. The last word is usually what people remember. The last word in a work meeting is usually the plan the team has agreed upon and then everybody breaks from that meeting to try to go implement it. The last word between a husband and a wife and a little bit of a scuffle in the house is pretty important because that last word is usually the one who has the upper hand, right? And that's sometimes why arguments keep going and going. Each one wants to have that last word. The last word is important when the Lord takes somebody you love home to heaven. Because if you didn't get to say what you wanted to say to that person, it kind of leaves that empty feeling a little bit. So the last word is key. The last word is what people remember. The last word is strategic. The last word is the upper hand. And the last word brings closure. And that's why Paul had to have it. The Apostle Paul loved to have the last word. Now, when he would do his writing of of the books of the New Testament that he wrote, the Apostle Paul didn't physically handwrite all of these books. He dictated them. And we're told he dictated the book of Romans in chapter 16 to a man named Tertius. And then Tertius would write it down either on papyrus, paper, or on parchment, which was animal skin. But then when Tertius got close to the end, I'm sure that's when he would tip the Apostle Paul off and say, you've only got so much section of this paper or parchment left. And so we know what the Apostle Paul would do. He would take that for himself and he would handwrite the last words of the letter. That's what it tells us in 2 Thessalonians. It says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. And so this section of scripture in Romans 16 is the last word. It's the last thing the Apostle Paul wrote to this congregation and it's what he physically took that utensil and hand wrote for those Romans to see and you can imagine the big letters, very different from Tertius's probably nice, uh, nice letters that were all in a row and, and looked really neat. Now why would he do that? Why would he personally have to handwrite the last section of a letter? It's for the same reason big businesses like 30, 40 years ago, they used to hire people to handwrite their envelopes. I had a relative who used to do that and we as relatives used to come together and help this person handwrite these envelopes. You know know what happened when computers first came out? They were generating um, the address labels on, on these letters and so when people, certain people would get them, they'd think this is spam mail, this is junk mail. Clearly, this is not a personal letter to me and so they would throw these things away when they were legitimate bills. And so companies would hire people to handwrite and address these envelopes so that somebody would see it say, oh, this is personal to me and they would open it up and at least see this is a legitimate bill that they need to pay. And so the Apostle Paul is doing the same thing. He's really indicating to the recipients, this is authentic. This originated with me. This is not some spam letter that is just mass produced that somebody else wrote. This is the real deal. The Apostle Paul cared for these people. 
And he wanted them to have the fullness of the gospel. And and you could see that in the dear way that he talked to them throughout chapter 16. Let me just read you a little bit. You can hear his heart throughout this. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who is the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Trophina and Trophosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Just see his heart pouring out through that. But all of these people, and all of their hard work, and all of their partnership with the Apostle Paul would mean absolutely nothing if it weren't for Jesus Christ. And so he's the central figure to all of this. And so the Apostle Paul cared for them deeply. The Apostle Paul had to have the last word as he's writing to these dear people that he loved. But do you see what he did with it? With that last bit of parchment or papyrus, in these big letters that he wrote, he gave the last word to Jesus. Jesus got the last word. That's what it says in verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ. And let me rephrase that just a touch. He said, now to him who is able to establish you. Literally, it's now to him who has power. To him who has power to establish you by my gospel. And the reason he's writing that way is he's saying, look, I'm not teaching you some different gospel than the Lord Jesus went around in his lifetime in ministry proclaiming to you. What I'm saying to you is the exact same thing that he said when he was on earth. This is one and the same gospel. And so the Apostle Paul, in pouring out his heart to them, having the last word, wanting them with it to see Jesus. Why? Why would he point them directly to him? Because that's where the power is. It's the power of Jesus behind the gospel that is the real deal. It's the power of Jesus that has the ability to cause people to be established and stand firm for his second coming. And if Paul would point people anywhere else, Those are just words. Those are just words that have no power behind them whatsoever. Again, here's what he wrote. By this gospel, the proclamation of Jesus Christ, God is able, God has power to establish you. I think Paul then, in writing this to the Romans, the Christians, I think he just tipped his hand at what his Christmas wish list was. It's as if he's saying, dear Roman Christians, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to hear about Jesus. I want you to read about Jesus to my very last handwritten letters. I want you to trust Jesus and believe him 
I want you to grow in Jesus in every kind of way because, because that's where the power is. That's where the strength is in the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done. It, it's just so vital. And so, yes, he's certainly reaching out to family and relatives. He expressed that to friends who partnered with him in ministry. And you can just understand what his heart is. It's coming out again. Look, Roman Christians, we've been through thick and thin. We've been through up and down. We've been through freedom and prison together. We've been through tent making and torture together. We've been through shipwreck and success together. But all of that is for nothing if it's not about Jesus Christ and that gospel. This is, this is personal to the Apostle Paul. It's not just a message that he proclaimed. It's something he held to. There is only one who forgives sins. There's only one who rescues sinners. There's only one who will guarantee that as you face death, your last words on earth will not be your last words. And there's only one who's coming again to save. Which is what led the Apostle Paul to praise. The very, um, the very beginning of verse 25 said, to him who is able to establish you. And the very last verse said almost the same thing, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. And so for everything to, that the Lord has done, for all the protection and preservation he's given to these Roman Christians, for all of the peace and faith and hope and love, for all of the forgiveness of sins, for all of the spiritual blessings that he's poured out, for all of the establishing and causing them to be firm in every way as they await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it just leads Paul to praise. And this is, I think, the neatest point of the sermon today. Did you catch it? Paul had to have the last word and he took it in the very last part of that letter and he hand wrote it and with what he wrote he gave all credit and glory to Jesus which means he gave the last word to Jesus and he talked about Jesus and the power he had and what does God do with the power of the gospel as it comes to those Christians in Rome and everybody else who reads it it establishes them and causes them to be firm, which means you get the last word. You get the last word every time you turn from sin and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You get the last word every time you open your mouth and you proclaim like the Apostle Paul the great things Jesus has done in the gospel for sinners. You get the last word Every time you take the gospel to heart and put it into obedience in your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. The last word is so vitally important because it leads a people to be the praise of God as they live out their lives and look at what the results are so that all nations might believe and obey him. We're right back then where we started, aren't we? The last word is key. The last word is what people remember. The last word is strategic. The last word is the upper hand. The last word brings closure. And it does. 
the word of God is eternal. That means not only then is the last word vitally important, but the reason why is too. Because this is the word of God that will last and cause you to stand forever. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Gracious Lord, you sent your Son into our world to destroy the power of Satan and restore the human race as your children and heirs. Work in us during this Advent season so that we may rejoice in the coming of our Savior and long for his coming again. Use the preaching of your holy law to rid us of all delusions that we can gain your love with our own efforts. Move us to realize how hopeless we are because of sin and to feel sorrow for what we've done wrong. Lift up our hearts to see the King who comes to save, revealed to us his willingness to take on our human form and stand in our place. Show us the power he extends in his word and sacraments to make us your children and keep us in the faith. Thrill us with his promise to come and take us to our eternal home to live with you forever. As we live with Christ and trust in him, move us to turn away from sin day after day with the strength your Holy Spirit provides. When we fall, forgive us and renew us to love and serve you and all people. Protect us from the distractions that come at this time of the year. Even in gift giving and celebrating, keep our hearts focused on Christ and his forgiving love. Move us to share with others the most important gift of the season, the truth about Jesus. Even in busy times, lead us to pray for those whose joy is diminished because of sickness, pain, or loss. Give us opportunities to provide help to those in need. Heavenly Father, your gospel is so powerful to save sinners and your hand as well, so powerful to save lives. We ask you to watch over Jacob Billets. A few weeks ago, he had a burst appendix and a difficult surgery. Then he had complications from it, which required another hospital visit and further surgery. And now he has yet further complications requiring another surgery today. Lord, help our brother in his need and give his body rest and healing from whatever's harming him. Most of all, give him peace in his soul that your love hasn't failed him in his time of need and you will see him through this by your powerful gospel. Hear us, Lord, as we now pray in silence.
Loving Lord, work in us during this Advent season so that our joy may be genuine and we may rest in the promises of the King who comes to save. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Please stand. O Lord God, our Heavenly Father, pour out the Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us strong in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort us in all temptation and bestow on us your saving peace. 
Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve your Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Please be seated. Morning, everyone. Merry Christmas to all of you, and uh, welcome to our guests and visitors. Glad you could come. Please come enjoy the services coming up, which uh, this afternoon we have a 3 and a 5 o'clock. Both of those are in the gymnasium. Tomorrow morning we have a 9 a.m. Christmas Day festival worship service right here in the sanctuary again. And then uh, I'm just assuming in general offices are going to be closed this week, but if you during 7 to 5, if you see a car in the lot, uh, you can knock on the door if you need to come on in and do our best to take care of you, whatever you need. Um, so always feel free to stop in if you see something like that. There are more announcements in the, in the bulletin, but anything else to highlight for today, for the week? Not seeing any. Please greet one another. God bless all of you. Have a great day.